the first full-length episode, the premiere episode, if you will, of WNK, the weekly AW news kick. Like that wrestling shirt you bought on Amazon, we are unofficial. Like Moxley Omega 1, we are unsanctioned. We are not unrestricted because that's somebody else's shtick. Okay, so the way I will structure this podcast is at this point we're going to breaking news. There isn't really any breaking news this time. Um, nothing that needs really addressing prior to talking about Dynamite. So let's go straight on to talking about Dynamite. The show opened. We have JR, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone and uh, Chris Jericho, four-man booth. And uh, JR opened it with uh, It's Wednesday, You Know What That Means, which was nice. And I think they'll probably make that a regular thing because obviously it's not the Brody Lee Memorial Show anymore. I think they're going to probably be doing that weekly. I don't know about you guys, but do you think that's a good idea? Or I'm a fan. I think it's a nice touch. Yeah, so they started it last week, didn't they? And it was just a thing that obviously synonymous with Brody Lee. If you follow his Twitter, he used to do it every day, didn't he? And I think yeah, it's not it's not a lot to ask for them to do each week. And it's just keeping that bit of legacy whereas his last company he worked for or he passed away it's just it's not a lot to do it's what it's Wednesday you know what that means that's seven yeah. words I mean it, make, it makes like, it makes, and it makes it makes sense it sounds good for the beginning of uh, a show anyway doesn't it being on a broadcast it's a nice tagline thing is it also doesn't it doesn't have to I mean obviously it does for the people that know associate with Brody but it doesn't have to it can just be it's Wednesday you know what that means and it's a way to pump up dynamite yeah i will say um this is why i'm not a fan of the three-man booth because they had chris jericho on as a guest announcer for the whole show if you've got a two-man booth you can bring on a third a third person as a guest announcer and it doesn't disrupt it too much when you've got four people on commentary you know back in the day you just used to have the play-by-play and the color guy you know i mean and um they just riffed off each other but when you've got four men on commentary i find that sometimes you know someone will fade into the background and unfortunately it seems to be tony Schiavone a lot and and excalibur at times as well but i don't know what you guys thought about that yeah same I'm, I'm actually yeah. also not fine at all with the three-man booth. You know, if you've got a two-man booth every week, it's okay to have the occasional three-man booth by having a guest announcer on like Chris Jericho. Do you know what I mean? And I think I think the show would, you know, if we were going for pure quality, I think Excalibur and Tony Schiavone would be the the best booth they could have. You know, the recognition in his voice when people tune in, people haven't seen it before, and I recognize the value in that. Do you know what I mean? Like people tune into AW and they go for the first time, they go, wait, is that JR? And it's a big deal because these are the laps fans that used to watch back when he was announcing with King, do you know what I mean? Alright, our first match was Young Bucks and SCU versus TH2 and The Acclaimed. What did you guys think about this one? Can I just start off by saying I am probably the number one least favourite fan... Is that the word? No, what am I trying to say? Basically, I don't like The Acclaimed and I don't like TH2. I like them as wrestlers, but I don't like their gimmick. And me and Tom have always said TH2 has been bit of a cringress and now they, I find the acclaimed on I don't like I, I know they do have some fans aboard with the whole rapping gimmick I think that's just a bit I don't like it I just think it's a bit meh wrestlers they're, they're good wrestlers and so is TH2 we've seen it with Angelico as a single wrestler now they're good wrestlers but the whole gimmicks just don't really work for me. We usually agree on stuff. As you say, we agree on um, TH2. I mean, I, I think they're better since Helico's lost his wetsuit. <laughs> um, I think they're less cringy since then. But um, yeah, I have to disagree with you with the acclaimed. I think I think it's what John Cena was going for with the Thugonomics gimmick, except he can actually rap. Do you know what I mean? And uh, which makes it much less cringy. I don't know, I just think it's fun. Um, and I think I think the, the put-downs are actually quite clever. I, don't know I think it's just because I at the same time, Top Flight came in. It was Top Flight and The Acclaimed. Yeah. I think they both debuted on the same show. And I just took to Top Flight a bit more than I took to The Acclaimed. And I think ever since that, it's kind of been... I don't, like, obviously diss the wrestling. I think the wrestling's fine when I'm watching their matches. I'm engaged and I enjoy them. It's just, yeah, the gimmick. I just prefer that Top Flight sort of gimmick more 
to the acclaimed sort of gimmick. But I think the acclaimed have actually been getting more. Um, they've been being put in bigger, bigger programs and stuff, like straight into a rivalry with the Young Bucks, and um, they've been given promos and stuff. So yeah, what, what do you make of the acclaimed, Patrick? I'm 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 on the point here with uh, with Jack. I don't Jack. like them yet. Yeah, I don't like them yet. Really, I don't. I, I don't know. They, they also they are they are cringy to me as well a little bit. Uh, also, how they dress with the headphones on and so it's like ah, uh, it's uh, I don't know how much hip hop it is or so like I'm not in the scene nowadays back then doctor of thergonomics john cena was a little more hip-hop guy back then 2005 2004 six around and i highly agree with th2 because like the old wetsuit cringy thing that looks yeah. so stupid like really and they are so good i know jack evans and angelico still who, so good were both of them in in lucha underground or... Um, I know Angelico was I think so that's Angelico. why we need Hugh here just okay. a quick shout out to Hugh it's our, our mutual friend Hugh's birthday today I think but he was yeah, a, he's right. a big fan happy birthday Hugh um, happy birthday you he is yeah and Angelico made for example the first ever nunchuck match in a wrestling and that was in, in, in Lucha Underground that was really so good I, think so... I don't know if this is them booking themselves into this kind of like ring persona because they have you know wrestlers have so much creative freedom in AEW but someone needs to take the reins because I mean like I said I think it's better since He's uh, and how close. I know it's such a little thing, but I think it's better since he started wrestling shirtless, you know. And also, I don't know if you guys noticed this the past couple of weeks with Angelico, maybe not the past couple of weeks, this week and the last time we saw him wrestle, he wrestled in a singles match against someone quite big, actually. I can't remember who was it, Chris Jericho or someone like that, Kenny, or he had quite a big singles match, Cody. I don't know. Uh, Cody, I think. I think it was Cody. In that match and in this match just now, he's been uh, hitting more submission moves and the the announce team are really trying to drive home the fact that he's a submission specialist, which is... And they did that with Matt Seidel later in the night. I mean, we won't get ahead of ourselves, but they seem to be pushing these couple of high flyers as more than just pure high flyers do you know what I mean yeah so. that's true that's sorry true. what was your yeah, thought I, I don't know if, if they want oh. to if they want to like bring in now the, the uh, submission specialist whatever technician side of, of wrestlers also because they are thinking oh, we might have too much like the the, 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 the stamp the imprint that we are just high flyers or have too many high flyers yeah I don't uh, know what I mean, they're doing with this but I also have to add like the TH2 got way better now like I don't know how long was their break during COVID like six or seven months we haven't seen them on, on Dynamite or Dark and you could see when they came back they were not as good as before they it took them like really two or three months to get back to the old to the old stand that they were in and uh, now the matches are really smoother again really so we've talked about th2 and the acclaimed what about the young bucks and scu if i can just start i think i loved young bucks in this match um i thought I thought seeing them in a uh, eight-man tag match was a big throwback to New Japan. I think they wrestled quite fast-paced, high intensity. I liked how they worked with SCU. Um, I think Nick Jackson hit the BT trigger with uh, Frankie Kazarian. And the finish, obviously, they did the uh, best melts ever, didn't they? The best uh, Christopher Daniels, best moonsault ever into the melts driver. There was a super kick party even, which we don't see a lot anymore in the middle of the match. So... Um, yeah, I don't know um, what you guys thought about about them, about the Young Bucks and SCU. Well, I was going to say originally the point I wanted to bring up SCU, obviously recently, and it started on Britt Baker's waiting room, which I'm so glad they're bringing over to Dynamite because that's the only part of Dark I watch now on YouTube because I love Britt Baker and her gimmick and that whole sort of chat show thing. But they obviously mentioned on there, which I'm sure you guys caught up with because they mentioned obviously in Dynamite, the whole... Uh, Frankie and Chris Daniels not tagging together anymore when they lose, when they next lose. And obviously yeah. now they've had that whole thing at the end of the match with the Bucks, SU, TH2 and a claim match. They obviously have put a challenge in really with Bucks there saying we want to have 
a match for the titles, which I can't see them winning again, even though obviously SU, SU have won it. Obviously, they're not going to win. But it's going to be so sad Daniels and yeah. Kazarian I'm, not tagging together again. I well, as, soon, as soon as they said that earlier on, and that was news to me because I don't watch Dark or whatever, I was like, oh, that's... Uh, huh. I wasn't sure how to feel about it, but then as at the end, and I could see what they were teasing, I was like, I'll put them into a program with the Bucks where the Bucks are the guys, you know, they come up for the titles and that's the one, you know, that will probably put them out or whatever. I was like, that's going to be emotional. That's I, I really like, I like that and I don't like that. See, here's the thing with SEU. I think no re- single wrestler or team Obviously, I'm not talking about getting stranded in the home countries like Pac or whatever. People who can actually make it to the stadium. I don't think any single wrestler or team has been affected by a lack of crowds more than SCU. Because you think how over they were, where they put they put the first they were the first tag champions, weren't they? And it and it went down really well because they used to come out and they used to do this kind of DX esque gimmick of like you know talking to the crowd and having their routines and passing the mic to each other and uh, you know the crowd SCU and you know uh, the kind of crowd engagement and then. You know the crowds went and they've just kind of fallen apart and i i mean i get it from that respect but i also don't really understand why because when scorpio sky uh started pulling away from the other two members of seu i was like okay so they're gonna give him a singles run because he was red heart wasn't he before they came i mean he had that title match against chris jericho and he just looked like you know future champ material and then he had the match against cody for the tnt title which he lost and he's just really done nothing and i thought he might even be injured so i googled it and i saw an interview with him where he said um you know some guys have to sit on the subs bench and i'm happy to do that i'm like why are you happy to do that dude you're in your prime and like that was the member of scu you're like this guy's gonna take the titles like i don't know why he's split off from SCU if he's healthy um, and like not even doing not even doing a singles run do you know what I mean I don't I don't get where they're going with that yeah right like it's also like he got his own theme and everything like within two or three weeks afterwards you didn't see him on, on Dynamite anymore and then now on Dark also rarely but yeah also I don't know if it, I think it was on BTE you saw Christopher Daniels uh, backstage sitting at a, a Dark taping uh, with the headphones on I don't know is, is he then the producer or what does he do I mean, then yeah they might be doing they might be taking more of a backstage role but um yeah right, no, right. i mean i think I mean, this is think... why they're splitting up a little bit now and they're getting new roles and everything kazarian now with his anger management angle on on bte all the time so i don't know that's that's maybe the lead up to this this this, this split they might Dude, it all also started like when uh, Christoph Daniels botched uh, the best moonsault ever against Pentagon. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the best moonsault ever. They botched it. Was uh, it was like a, a side? Was it? Do you call it an assigned moonsault? The uh, one where you drop down onto your legs onto the rope, like to a sitting position, and then backflip, I believe. Or it was. It wasn't the best moonsault ever because it was. It wasn't in the corner. Uh, it was on it the. It wasn't ramp. in the corner. It was. Yeah. It was the same, but just on on the ropes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what did you guys think of the match as a whole? Not- it was it was it was fine. I wouldn't say it was the best match of the night. I think we probably all mutually know what the best match of the night was. Um, but I, it was, su- I mean, I agree, but you'd be surprised. But we'll get to yeah. that later with with my opinions. But yeah. that's it. But uh, I I enjoyed it. It was a good opener. It was a nice match to open the show with some good teams in there. I enjoy watching. And yeah, it was. Just, okay, it was good. Right. I'm also uh, with it. Was good. What good opener. And also, I like the eight man tech. How they're doing it in AEW. Uh, the other big wrestling company from Connecticut was never able to tell a story. Also, when they do this eight man tech, they just mixed everyone together. But there is a storytelling always in it, like New Japan yeah. also does. So. I like that in the beginning. Make makes it yeah nice for opening the show. Okay, so next we had a promo for I mean I'll, I'll 
won't cover this I'll only cover this quickly we had a promo for the Go Big show with a monster truck outside and um, it just like pulled up to the AEW trailer and I thought it was like going to slam into it or something I was like what the heck is going on <laughs> it was like I don't know I mean you, I'll talk about this a bit more later when we talk about the stuff with Snoop Dogg but I'm not sure how I feel about this um, this cross promo stuff I don't, I don't think they have a choice on that I think they just get paid it's a, t- it's a network yeah, it's a, thing it's yeah, a network yeah, thing they just got to do it and I think that's the way they dealt with it really but I'm glad it's only well it, yeah it's just a one night thing in it because next week's the second night of New Year Smash but it's not got anything to do with that so I'm glad we're going to see the end of that but I know I know why they did it same with the so, Rick and Morty stuff back then one episode they well I like that because I like Rick and Morty so. <laughs> yeah I like it too but it doesn't fit it didn't fit too much into the to the wrestling match and the concept they did with it it was a nice try but you can see that they had to do it put it together somehow so it, it's fine I liked um, speaking of the Rick and Morty thing I liked I liked that they you said like you said they tried I liked that they tried and it wasn't like half assed though I liked that they um, you know they had the masks and stuff and they worked into that with having Santana or Ortiz hiding behind them do you know what I mean and um, you know I just it, it seems to me like they actually try I guess like what you said even if it's a bit lame next up we had a John Moxley promo who uh, kind of set himself apart from Kenny in a way by saying he wouldn't interfere in the Ray Phoenix, the match with Ray Phoenix because he respects the title too much and Kenny obviously has shown disrespect to the to the title to AEW with his kind of treasonous actions it was a good promo I don't know what you guys thought about it if you remember anything specifically from it I just I just remember Mox is back and that just made me happy he's back it was just yeah. like he's he's one of my favourites he has been my favourite he was obviously for me, so far, the best champ. I know Kenny's only just took it on, um, yeah. and I love Kenny, but he's just, he was the AEW champ. He, you could just, it was just perfect for him, and it's just nice to see him back, and he obviously had that bit of a break, and Renee is obviously pregnant now, and yeah, so it's just nice, and I understand kind of, it'll take probably a bit more of a backseat role now with everything going on, and won't be as prominent kind of in the next couple months, year, in fact, but it's just nice to see him back, and that was a he, he, he always does a good promo does but what I um, what I actually like about AEW is they have a lot of like interlocking interconnecting if you will um, storylines do you know what I mean so Mox might kind of you know have a sub thing going on within the greater storyline which we'll talk about more later when we talk about the main event but um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to where they go with them and I think I honestly think they respect Mox too much and like his kind of star power to actually just put him in a, a rubbish programmer so I think he'll um, I think they'll really try with him to keep him relevant well he's got to be the one that's earning the most out of the whole promotion or at least in that what about probably- CJ? Chris Jarrett. But that's what that's what at least in the top five most well paid in there. CJ's probably gotta be the most, but he's definitely top five at least. I'm, and I remember when they were first talking about uh salaries when it first um when AEW was first being devised. Um I heard the Lucha Brothers are getting six figure salaries. So. Yeah, they signed also a new contract, which seems to be very lucrative. So but yeah, I also like that Mox is back, although I'm not his biggest fan, to be honest, so I might be alone here. <laughs> but yeah, it's I noticed just... that in your uh, nominations. Um we've yeah, got uh... yeah, it's he's not not my favorite guy. I like him, but um, um, it's I don't know. It's it's not the best. Like and to be honest, I liked him in New Japan a little more like how he's acting there. He's a different character there. This is what I like, that he's 
definitely separating his characters, and I like the new I like the new Japan uh, Moxley more. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I love that he does separate characters. Chris Jericho does that as well with his character in AEW and his character in New Japan. They're very different. Yeah, I will just clarify what I said, but meant by Patrick's nominations there. We will be having uh, a special episode of uh, WNK where we do our 2020 year end awards. Um, so that should be coming up sometime a few days after this one next up we had a backstage segment with Dasha Gonzalez um, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy she was interviewing and then Miro and Kip and Penelope approached I don't know what this is about if I've missed something on Dark or something but they're talking about having a feud or a match between Chuck and Miro where if um, if Chuck loses he becomes Miro's young boy like in New Japan which I think is quite weird I don't know it, it seemed like a bit of a I know you guys what you guys thought about this well it's on Dynamite next week and it's the weirdest kind of it's weird isn't it the AEW it's, it's up there like they've got Miro who's again one of the biggest stars on AEW or one of the biggest names and if I'm honest they seem to be completely wasting him they're not using him how they should and we've not seen enough of him in my opinion and the only kind of feud he's had since joining is this one with best friends which seems to be never ending never ending never ending just just strange um story elements to over, it. Uh, gaming, the, the, uh, ga- thank you patrick like, for saying yeah. it fighting over an arcade machine and like like that stuff's <laughs> yeah. good for stuff like bt fine for stuff like bte and twitch and stuff like that but like it doesn't really translate to dynamite to the to the main show this you know because right. they've knocked over a gaming machine and trying to take right. it seriously so i feel like they're Not building up to a special show because you remember last year they, they they did Bash at the Beach and this year they're doing Kip and Penelope's wedding at a beach in January which is obviously like a similar sort of show they're going for so obviously something's going to happen there but it seems like they're prolonging it and kind of trying to get to that point so they've got to keep this feud going to make that thing they want to do later on down the line like more relevant if you know what I mean and keep like people remembering Oh yeah, they've got a feud. Oh, that's why this has happened. What I um, will say that I did like about this was Miro called Orange Cassidy Little Cass, which was like uh, I think a reference to uh, Enzo and was it Colin Cassidy, Big Cass in uh, Big Cass, Big, Big Cass, 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 yeah, Cass yeah, in, uh, in, in NXT. Um, but yeah, um, Chuck versus Miro set for next week. The next match was Jake Hager versus Wardlow. Now, before I ask you guys your opinion on this, I will just say at the very top of the page on my notes for this match, I've just written, I love Wardlow, because I do. I've liked him since he came in, and uh, even when people were negging on him and doubting him. uh, What did you guys make of this match? I liked it. It's a typical big guy match, to be honest, but... uh... Especially uh, Wardlow doing also high-flying uh, actions. That's pretty impressive. And I like him really. Like I, I listened to the Unrestricted from AEW. Uh, he seems like a very humble guy, and he knows what he does there. He's not overselling or anything or doing like I'm the biggest guy, monster, whatever. He's just really clean and also pretty quick for a statue. So I like him a lot. And Jake Hager is. I liked him uh, back then. What was his name again in WWE? Uh, Jack Swagger. Swagger, yeah. Swagger, Jack Swagger. But back then he was quicker. I had in mind. 
yeah. a little more quicker, a little more. I think, I think he's put on more muscle. I think he's now. I think he's put on more bulk for Bellator or you know his weight yeah. classes and stuff. So um, I think so too. Yeah. I uh, will say it did lose me a bit in the middle. It started out really well, lost me a little bit in the middle, but then won it back. Um, I was actually really impressed with the mat wrestling and the work rate at the beginning of the match, considering they're these two big guys. Um, I feel like when these guys go out. They feel like they have something to prove. It's to make it not like I know you said it's like a typical big man match, but not like a WWE big man match. Do you know what I mean? Like this is a bit of a side note, but I don't know if you, Patrick, remember there was a Big Show versus Kane match on SmackDown once I think it was, and the two of them just went out and decided they wrestle a proper wrestling match, and like they were like hitting these like yeah, you remember like a proper like an amazing that, technically good match, and people were like what is going on, like and they just right? completely they trolled. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'm, with, I'm with you, Tom. I'm a big Wardlow fan. I think I always have liked Wardlow, but it was the match he had for the the title shot against Mox, that um that kind of knockout tournament and it was him yeah. versus was it He's Hangman? Yeah. Was it or was it the one before but anyway, yeah. It and I just thought he shot yeah. from Shining, yeah. And I just wish he'd get probably a bit more of a push. But I was really scared with this match because I thought, okay, it's Wardlow versus Hager. It's obviously an inner circle feud. And I just had this feeling. I was like, Hager's gonna win this and he's gonna get a back push and there's gonna be a storyline about Wardlow being like casted out. And when I saw like Wardlow win, I was just like, I'm so glad he's won because yeah. I think in terms of them two as wrestlers, Wardlow's the better wrestler. And I just thought yeah. it would have been out of character and out of sort of, because as viewers, we're not stupid. We know who are the better wrestlers yeah. in this feud. Well, and yeah, we I... know Wardlow's a better wrestler than Hager. And if they put Hager over just because he's meant to be the big guy of the inner circle, it would have been so dumb. Like, I've, I I completely agree. I've even got written down here on my notes. Wardlow wins, right, cool. But yeah, um, the crowd chanted, this is awesome when it kind of, I thought that was a bit weird. Like, I thought it was an all right match, but I don't don't think it was a this Did is awesome do? worthy. I didn't notice that. Really? It might have been during, did you watch from fight? Yeah, I watched from fight, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, there was that was the first. There was two. This is awesome chance. I took notes each time, and okay. uh, and that was the first one. Maybe they started it not like that. The proper audience, maybe just the uh, the ringside uh, extra talent. Maybe I mean maybe they were chanting someone else, and I completely misheard it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I I agree with well. Actually, Jack didn't make this point. He said that was what he was worried about them doing. Actually, so maybe I disagree with Jack. But I think Wardlow should um, turn face um, because he. Uh, he was think about like his role what his role was in um he was mjf's muscle he was the he was heel muscle do you know what i mean but now mjf's got a faction so his wardlow's entire wrestling persona is now like obsolete do you know what i mean so i i could absolutely see him being the one to turn face and feud within your circle yeah, that's a good I think, point i yeah. think he could also they, i think they will also kick out jericho at one point i think yeah, that's the, that's the biggest thing right now because we'll get later to it also with the with the other backstage segment with hager and mjf but MJF is slightly taking over the group now. This is what they're teasing with it. It's not taking part in the next two or three months. It will take maybe half a year, which would be cool if they take really long time, but then making a huge turn and turn the whole inner circle against Jericho. And I think then Jericho will also step back a little bit, maybe go more into commentary or backstage persona or whatever. I mean, the groundwork is there because they were teasing um, an MJF Wardlow program for a long time with how MJF treated Wardlow. Do you know what I mean? When it was just the two of them. Um, and he'd do these things and you'd get a little glare from Wardlow and it, you know. But yeah, I, uh, 
I don't know. I could. Uh, they should cash in on that. I think, especially based on his performance and based on what Jack said about his performance in the um, knockout tournament. Moving on, we had a. Oh, okay. I've got things to say about this. <laughs> we had um, a promo with Private Party, Snoop Dogg, and uh, Matt Hardy, which was a really bizarre promo. Snoop Dogg was there, but he just stood there and he said. I think we said one thing really quickly. It might even been one word. And you just stood there while they made, Private Party made like a gin and juice joke. And then Matt Hardy came along and did some weird stuff and made like a, made a reference about like a pretty outdated reference at this point to like cameo and Twitch stream stuff with the WWE, obviously banning that. Again, I feel like this was just a go big thing. It's like, I feel like they got a deal with this go big thing where it's like, okay, you get one sort of on screen sort of thing happen, which obviously the monster truck, you get Snoop Dogg appearing either in the ring, which obviously we'll come to later and you get a Snoop Dogg promo. So I feel like again, he was just there just to make this deal that they had make sense. But it obviously didn't make sense in the promo. It's just but they didn't. They didn't have a Snoop Dogg promo. They had a promo no. in which Snoop Dogg just yeah. walked into frame and stood there. He, it he, was so bizarre. It, it was just like they had the gin, and then he just comes in. and He's like and juice on it, and then he just. Oh, yeah, that's what there. I think. That's what he said. He just said and juice, and then he yeah, just kind of stood there and did. There. And then he just stood there while Matt Hardy did a like weird kind of dissing on WWE promo. I just I didn't get it. it I didn't. I, I don't like. I actually don't like the whole program now where it's turning with Private Party and Matt Hardy and how he's trying to dictate them what to do and so I don't get it yet. Hopefully it will have a nice turnaround at one point that I get it but right now I'm also not really in that. I also didn't get why they signed now contracts with him that didn't make any bigger sense. No, I never like. like uh, oh, sorry, go on, Jack. I was, well, I was just going to say originally it was called what they called themselves Hardy Party which obviously Hardy and Private Party like, merged together. And I got it because there was a sl- there was obviously a moment we all thought, and there still might be like a there might be a like a three man belt for triple teams and yeah three man teams. And well, I thought they've got so many triples. Yeah, and that's why I thought okay they've got Matt Hardy and they got they they basically were just teaming all these tag teams up with a third person. Hence, like obviously Death Triangle. You obviously then had Bucks and Kenny. But yeah, that I also felt think like... part. I think part of Death Triangle was having an English speaking mouthpiece and Pat yeah, because yeah. because that that was quite evident to me in the main event when uh, Phoenix was coming out. They had Pat cutting a promo for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, and but yeah, package. but I feel like that's the that's obviously why they put Hardy with Private Party. I just feel like I don't get the chemistry of why they're together other than the fact that private party were influenced by the hardy boys and that seems to be the only link it's not like they're friends or anything it's just like oh, it wasn't like, influenced oh. by the hardy yeah boys. Like, exactly as a like, tag team young bucks were clearly influenced by the hardy boys like it's, it's no it was a, it was a specifically that i mean i was never i was never a big fan of the multiverse of matt hardy gimmick anyway with how he I loved, I loved, sorry, don't get me wrong, I loved, I loved, delete, delete, I loved that gimmick, Broken Matt Hardy, thank you, um, came to me there, I love Broken Matt Hardy, I didn't like how he could just swap between being Broken Matt Hardy and being like unkillable Matt Hardy and all this, and then come out, the, it just kind of killed the mystique of it for me, like he could just switch off this gimmick, and, and he isn't just this crazy guy, do you know what I mean, and I, I, I absolutely love the cinematic stuff, I love the universe, the Matt Hardy, the broken universe stuff, but I didn't like the multiverse stuff with how he could just switch it off and um, you know and I, I think I feel like he feels pressure to reinvent himself a lot and I feel like that's what he's doing at the moment and they're not cash he doesn't want to cash in on the broken Matt Hardy stuff which I think he should um, because I just think it's gold I think if you've got a winner yeah completely agree 
on that. I also don't know why he broke uh, the fourth wall and directly said like, yeah, I know like some people said it's outdated and I need to do this and that, but I'm this Matt Hardy and I don't know why he broke the fourth wall. He can he can just swap the uh, characters or gimmicks or invent something in the background. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to justify after like, I, I don't know how many years, 25 years or so, he doesn't need to justify himself. He just does it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, then go on with something else. But you don't need to talk to the fans, directly respond to them. Uh, yeah, he doesn't need to do well, that, I guess. This, this is the thing. Like, we're all acting like all of his gimmicks have been winners, or he's at least he's acting like that, or they're acting like it. Like, V1 is a fun throwback and like to a like to that era, but it was you know, it was it was it worked because he came down to the ring and the the fun part about it was the kind of glitchy webcam footage of him coming down to the ring and the map facts and we all love that but beyond that like what was there it's like the broken universe this is this is gold this is your like this is your magnum opus you should stick with this like i think i saw a fact once that the broken the advent of the broken universe uh, the broken matt hardy gimmick was the first time ever in their careers that Matt Hardy surpassed Jeff Hardy for Google searches. <laughs> so, like, he was, you know, the the stats are there. Like, And what you said about, like, you can add new characters and stuff like this, the broken gimmick was, like, this whole kind of, like, Marvel Universe kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? With, with continuity and stuff. So, like you you can just you can keep it fresh by you know keeping it fresh by adding new stuff into it you don't actually have to just discard it and make an entirely new you know just burn down everything you've built and make an entirely new inferior gimmick do you know what i mean yeah completely completely agree on that so that's what he also played with over the years like he, he invented so much this like you said this universe he, he called it even universe so why not making use of that universe and adding characters to it and i liked it also in the beginning like especially in the stadium stamp match again yeah when he it turned out to be in this character then this character that was yeah, hilarious that was really great. really good so like, he like should benefit stuff. from this instead of just reacting to the crowd and doing yeah you know like uh, the urge to, to invent yourself new that's I, I don't think that's necessary next we have the brian cage darby allen weigh-in i thought it was a really good idea because they obviously do have a very big weight difference what do you guys think of it i liked it yeah no i was obviously i get the idea why they did it one part that obviously comes a bit later than that so i'll touch i'll quickly touch on it i like brian cage more now than i did when he first debuted i wouldn't mind seeing him switch and him be the tnt champ but i don't think it will happen because i think Darby will stay longer and i don't think it's gonna happen but i wouldn't mind if it did happen the thing i did want to touch on and tom give me the eyes if i'm not allowed to but a whole um darkened arena and we all know who comes out, Sting. Yeah. For me, personally, it's lost its charm a bit because... I, I was... I, when I was sat there watching it and the lights went out, I was like, I want to know who this is. Yeah. And <laughs> like... The thing is, obviously, the, the when it first happened, the, it was a massive pop. And the biggest pop you could get in that sort of environment where it's not a full crowd, that you could hear the crowd and that was something. And the whole Tony going, it's Sting! And it's just it's incredible. Sting. But... They've been doing this for how many weeks now? The exact same thing. Lights go out. The snow comes. Sting comes out. Sting doesn't really say anything. He doesn't do anything. He just comes in. And Team Taz are obviously meant to be these hard boys, these proper. And he hasn't even threatened them or gone up to them or looked like they're going to attack him and attack them. And they just run away straight away. And it's like, you've got no reason to run away. He's shown no sign of being threatening to you yet. Obviously, he's coming in to protect Derby. And I just think they need to do something with Sting sooner because they can't keep 
relying on this. It's Sting. He comes out, and that's the end of the gimmick. Team Taz either need to actually attack him now because it's the same thing, or you know, have some sort of different angle on it where Sting actually, yeah, does something to make it, yeah. And what he also sorry, does always, it's always, sorry, it's always the same, like you said. <laughs> it's turning dark and everyone's like, ooh, it's gonna come, everyone knows it's Sting. But yeah. then Sting comes out the entrance, you know, normally instead of just popping up in the ring here, yeah. somewhere in the crowd or so, you know, he's so just coming through the entrance like, what were you yeah, concealing? Right. What is your dark? <laughs> what's the point of, of the whole thing? Like, yeah. everyone knows what's happening. So, ah, um, I don't know. It's like, yeah, they, they should do more with it. Like, it's it gets repetitive at, at this I, point, really. I also want to put out the hypothetical question. Why is Sting teaming with... Why are they putting him in a program with Darby Allen? Is it literally just that they both wear black and white face paint? That seems, <laughs> like... Like, that seems like a reason. It's so bizarre to me. One of the I've noticed, though, and obviously everyone knows it anyway, um, but obviously staying on the roster website, he's got an own record, which obviously we all know anyway, but it means he's going to fight at some point. And I don't know whether he should. Not because I don't want to see him wrestle, because of course I do, but I just don't think it will do anything, really. I don't know how you boys feel about it. Um, because he's obviously... How old is Sting now? Someone shout an age out at me. 61. 61? 61 now. How good yeah. is he going to be wrestling at 61? Um, and yeah, the only reason I see him being tagged with Derby is just they both got face paint, and that's it. They don't... They're not similar, really, in any way. Um, in fact, they both... Other, yeah, other than that. And they're a little bit gawky. Yeah, and, and like, they needed to... I feel like they just needed to put Sting with someone. They didn't need to put... He could have been a lone wolf in himself, but... Obviously, they've gone down the route of putting him someone, and they've gone, uh, who can we put him with? Who's he got some sort of likeness to or yeah, chemistry? Oh, we'll put him with Derby yeah. just because they've both got face paint. It's mysterious. If anybody... But what I like, I have oh, to sorry, add, God. what I like is that he said, or I don't know if he said it or who said it on from, from the official, official team, but uh, that he is more likely to have cinematic matches, which is a better approach instead of just having him, like, I don't know, like Undertaker against Brock Lesnar style, that they're really not able to put together a good match, just make it a yeah, real good cinematic match. That's what I like, but at one point he will be in the ring, I guess, even if it's a small match. If there's one good thing that's match. if there's one good thing that's come out of 2020, I'd say it's the rise of cinematic matches. I actually really enjoy them. If anyone was if anyone's interested, Brian Cage weighed in at 272 pounds and Darby Allen at 170 pounds. Can we just say that? I mean, we all know Brian Cage is big, but that's big. That that is. You? What is that in stone? Can I? That's do coming it? up to that's eight pounds off 20 stone. So that's okay. like oh, and that's yeah. all muscle as well. That's that, not, which. He, he is a machine, the machine Brian Cage. Yeah. He is an absolute... But that's the thing, in terms of... Obviously, like I said, I've, I can see Derby getting a win. But that, sh like, that could be a Brody taking the title of Cody type of match where he absolutely squashes him and then Cody gets it back in a later match. That could be one of those... I know, like I said, realistically, Derby's going to retain because it's too soon. But, yeah, I could just see that being a... Derby winning, but it shouldn't be, if that makes sense. Uh, Team Taz look really legit, I think. Some of them in suits and some of them in, like, kind of... They've really... Street, street on yeah, yeah. They're yeah really, I... they, look like, they look like some sort of, like, boxers crew or something, do you know what I mean? Like, you've got these kind of tough guys in suits, but then also, like, one of them's in, like, kind of baggy pants and a snapback and stuff, and they just look like... They look I good. I, I'd like to see someone like um, a female join them now, like that 
Is it Layla Hirsch? Is that what she Hirsch. was called? Layla Hirsch would be a good call. However, yeah, just I do, someone that's I also, a bit. I also do like them being this kind of boys' club. Like I say, like the the kind of macho macho men yeah. to come out in as part. It does of, work kind of as ring, well. Yeah, a ring crew, a walkout crew for a boxer or something. That's kind of the vibe I get from them. You know, theoretical question. If someone wants to join next, female or male wrestler, who could you see join Team Taz? Leila Hirsch, definitely. Le- yeah, say. now, you, now you've said it, Leila Hirsch. Point, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a real good point. Of course, if you want to keep it like a men's, gentlemen's only club, um, then not. But Leila Hirsch is a really good addition, especially yeah. because of her style to Taz. To be honest, other than Leila Hirsch, I don't, if, if you were going to keep it like a, like you said, a gentleman's club, uh, I don't think they need anyone else. I think keep it as, you know, how it is and start involving hooking more stuff, even if he's not actively wrestling, like coming out and just being a pain, you know, really heel and like, you know, just a little kind of mosquito on the outside, like causing problems. Last thing on this, new TNT title, because the old one was obviously retired and given to negative one. Uh, it looks so good. It looks that, good. Yeah. This is the thing. I was conflicted because the red strap is what made it kind of unique. Do you know what I mean? But then, because I'm used to the red strap, then seeing it with a black strap and, and the the plate against the black strap kind of looked pretty prestigious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it looks, looks, looks like a classic belt more like now, yeah. but yeah. now with the new color, and I'm like, yeah, that looks better. Like I like the red good. one because it was unique, like you said, but the black one looks more like a proper belt. Like the uh was the Universal Championship also it, it, with a red on it, it looks really crappy to be honest. The red on the TNT title looked really good, but now with the black one on it, it looks more like a real belt. Yeah, I think the red TNT title will look back at funnily. It'll be like one of those classic titles like Broken Skull Championship or something like that, but you know, it's not something you'd you know, you need to keep forever and it doesn't like take away from the you know the current design which is really good next we had a uh, I don't really have much to say about this because it was so very brief but they had um, MGF and Jake Hager in the locker room kind of being pally and getting along and Hager's, Hager's mad about his loss and MGF comes in and gives him a pep talk which didn't seem very authentic but um, it, it convinced Hager anyway and they had a bit of a fist bump and, and that was that I mean it goes without saying but do you guys think uh, think that's authentic um, <laughs> camaraderie or no, not really. No. It was typical MJF, like typical taking MJF. it, like yeah, yeah, really, like really smeary, whatever guy he is. But uh, they will all fall for it, like I said, they might all fall for it, and then they might. But it, uh, they're doing it where they'll fall for it, but the fans won't. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a wink yeah, and a nod right. to the fans, like the fans know yeah. that you know he's still MJF, but you know the inner circle are being fooled. And and again, I think that could lead to him, but like you say, kicking Chris Jericho out the group is is that Chris Jericho seems to be the most fooled by it. Do you know what I mean? But now everyone else is, and like that's going to be when he strikes. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no one, no one's being vigilant anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you he he was the Jack? first fool for him, so yeah. I, I just love MJF as a heel. Yeah. He's uh, like yeah. Tom knows this amount of times to say he's my favorite heel. I love to hate that lad, and I, I, I thought he was going to become world champ when he faced Mox. I was surprised he did. Yeah, I. Uh, and he was... sh- yeah, he just got world champ, and I, as you guys said, just to repeat it. He will kick Jericho out, and then at that point, he'll take the title. I think it will take longer, but yeah, like I, I could see Jericho taking a back role just because of how he's kind of he's running out of potential stories, really. I think, um, but I can only it's weird because I could see MJF becoming world champ whilst he's leader of the inner circle, but I only see the next champ being Hangman. So it's like, how long are they willing to go? They've that? got 
They've got so many people they need to put the belt on. They've got Pack as well. Like they're, you know, and they're committed to long title rings, which I love. I don't like hot potato title at all. Um, it's just a matter of get, giving everyone their dues. Do you know what I mean? Then we went on to apparently I, this ticked me off enough to write down as its own segment. But Jr. said, "Ain't nothing but a G thing." <laughs> it's just another. He did. He did. It's just another. Uh, oh my well, god, that's I, so white. <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm not. I don't like this. J- I don't like AWJR's commentary. There, I've said it. But as I said earlier, I recognise his contributions. One thing I really don't like, really, really don't like about his commentary, is when Excalibur calls a move, particularly a move in Spanish, uh, like a move with a Spanish name, and JR seems like to take the Mickey about it or to like be happily ignorant about it. Like uh, they did it. It happened. Uh, it might have happened in the Kenny Phoenix match, but he um, he called a move and then JR just went what. Like, like, why are you, you're a wrestling commentator, like, proudly admit, you know, admitting and making it, a, like, a positive thing that you don't know what a move is called. Like, just, just shut up. Like, if you don't know what the move is called, just trust that Excalibur does, because Excalibur is, is a great play-by-play guy. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan. But, like, I, I recognise why he's there, and I'm okay with him there, because I think it's probably a net positive, him being there to attract new fans, but... Definitely. I also think he won't be there forever and for like maybe one more year or so, one and a half more years, and then he might maybe go backstage or whatever. And uh, maybe that Chris Jericho is going for him that in on like if if they still have a trio on the on the commentary, then Chris Jericho will replace him at one point. But I'm also going with you, like uh, Tony Schiavone and uh, Shavani Shavoni. Schiavone. Schiavone. That's the problem. Chris Jericho mixed me up completely once. So yeah, him and Excalibur are actually the better commentary on it. Like that might be. Yeah. That might be a three-man beef you could actually get on board with because of Chris Jericho and the Skiavone stuff, and like you don't, you you wouldn't want to lose Excalibur. Um, so it's like, you know, uh, I could see that being a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and that that's someone with huge name recognition is Chris Jericho. So if you're going to lose Jr. and the name recognition that comes with Jr., it's good to have. It'd be a good one to replace him with. One of the commentary relationships I do quite like at the moment is when um, Eddie Kingston's on. And his relationship yeah. with Tony. With, with Tony Schiavone, yeah. he just bullies him. <laughs> That's it. Because Tony, <laughs> Tony, Tony just said something. Uh, no, what is it? Tony will say, but you purposely broke up this family. And he'll be, he'll be like, shut up, Tony. You don't know. Like, <laughs> like, Tony, Tony just, oh, Tony said, I can't remember what it was. It was like last week or the week before. Um, Tony like said the most innocuous thing and he's like he's like Tony I swear to God if you and no word comes out of your mouth I'm gonna punch you in the mouth like <laughs> it's like I love it and I, I love it what did he do to him so good so good love and from my nomination I think I put Eddie down I, I think I only put for the awards one. yeah for the promo one but I just think Eddie's been such a nice addition to AEW and not just for his wrestling his, his promo work is just incredible yeah. his on mic skills next we had a clip from Dark with minus one no sorry not minus one I've got that written down negative one cutting uh, promos on people again he had the thing didn't he which was the Luther he was, he was you got a red ball on your head and like um, that wasn't the one they showed a promo though he was cutting a promo on Marco Stunt and like part of me was like 
I hope this leads to a match. Like, how hilarious would that be? Marco stunt wrestling an actual child. On uh, that would be some that would be some DDT stuff. Like you know, like DDT and uh, yeah, like Japan. Kenny Omega back then. Kenny Omega wrestling. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know girl. if that was on DDT, but it was in Japan. Him wrestling the little girl. But yeah, I think Negative One's got a bright future. He's very good on the mic for a. Eight, you know, an eight, ten-year-old or whatever he is, seven, eight-year-old. I will say I'm glad it's not happening on Dynamite, is all I'll say. I don't want to be too negative about it because, you know, the kid's just lost his dad and I love that they're supporting them, but I will just say I'm glad that that's not happening on Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the right. most negative you, should, you shouldn't also expose a child too much, like, on national television. Yeah, so, like, yeah. it's, it's a good fun in between, but just keep it there. I just hope he gets through pu puberty properly, you know, that he still loves resting afterwards and everything, and then we might see really good one like you see there's proper material already there for an eight-year-old already he's like really really into it let's just Ooh. hope this holds through until he's 18 so plus well, that's the thing they've got they've got already made well not next lead of dark order but you know what i mean when he's of age and he wants to and he knows that's what he wants to do career that is a ready-made dark order leader in the making and a storyline right there well i will just say it's literally just occurred to me now what when patrick said about not exposing a child too much to this national tv and this you know exploiting and stuff I'm thinking that might be part of the motive behind the mask. Obviously not the whole motive because, you know, it's in the Dark Order and it's tribute to his dad. But, like, I do think maybe there's a little bit of thought there to, like, you know, then his face isn't all over TV and stuff. Do you know what I mean? If he does appear on TV, it's, um, he can still good have point, a yeah. life yeah. and stuff. That's a good thought. Up. I think they, they put some uh, thoughts behind that as well. So And then that led into Jurassic Express and FTR are going to have a match. And Marco is going to wrestle uh, instead of Luchasaurus. So I think it'll be Marco stunting. Jungle Boy. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to that match. I think that'll be a really good match. Is that happening next week, I believe? Yeah, it will be next week then. Uh, yeah. Also looking forward to it. Uh, I think FTR will smash them, or at least Marco yeah. Stunt. Uh, Jungle Boy will be really good again on it. Like you'll see also from my nominations in, in our uh, Best of 2020 episode. But uh, yeah, they, they will squash him at one point and make him look not that good i think yeah but are we Marcus are we to make everybody look good so. yeah are we sure oh well we're definitely not sure but i think originally everyone thought young bucks obviously took the title from ftr and they were gonna everyone was thinking ftr were going to be the next tag champs winning it back is that do you reckon still going to be AEW's plans because ftr now obviously they're so far the shortest title holders of the tag champs and yeah. that's in, obviously including scu who even though we all love SCU, as if you look at SCU, Kenny Hangman, FTR, and Bucks now, SCU is probably maybe the least popular of the three. Well, they like, are now. Yeah, like, exactly. Like what I was saying earlier about them. Not yeah. Being, uh, so the fact FTR. Do, do they have a rematch clause in it, like uh, like in uh, WWE? I never never thought of it. Do they have a rematch clause when they lost the title because they never I don't got think a they real do rematch clauses? Okay, good. But that, that's I, what I mean, I don't. They might do. They might. It might be one of those things that they just invoke. When any that you know you know how in wrestling like rules will change depending on the storyline, do you know what I mean? So when yeah. it needs to. Um, but yeah, but FTR shortest title holders, so surely they've got to win it back because if they're how they say, obviously, and now everyone knows them one and well, one of if not the best tag team in the world, they can't be the shortest like title holders. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that more at the end when we talk about the preview for next week. We then went into Matt Seidel versus Cody Rhodes. This might surprise you. I rated this as highly as the main event. I gave it a 4.25. I love this match. 
I thought the work rate was really high. I thought they had amazing chemistry, these two, which makes total sense to me because they both came up in like the exact same era in WWE, that kind of that kind of period after Ruthless Aggression, but before the Summer of Punk, where you had guys like, you know, well, Matt Sider was Evan Bourne, wasn't he? And Cody was in the uh, faction with Ted DiBiase Jr. and Randy Orton. And um, yeah, they, I mean, I'm sure they've wrestled each other plenty before, um, and it showed. And what I will say is there was way too much camera attention on Snoop Dogg pacing around. And what qualifies Snoop Dogg to coach a wrestling match? <laughs> Like is excluding the big show. <laughs> yeah, um, like I think they mentioned he coached a, a, a football team at some point, like early in his career, which was yeah, I mean, that he, was he an interesting own, factoid. Yeah, he has his own, uh, I think, uh, uh, children football league or so Snoop, yeah. Snoop Dogg children league, whatever. Um, he rapped about that in one song. I know some songs of him. <laughs> but we 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 have to talk about the Snoop Dogg splash. <laughs> We uh yeah. Um, what is that? Exactly. What is that to say? He was Sorry, just jumping down from the top ropes, landing on the feet, and falling yeah. over. That's it's the way basically... it's the way he landed wasn't even like I, I don't. You know what's the worst part? Sepensko and Luffy, the ones that came out. Like why? Why were they the ones that got involved? This okay. So I I realize I now have to go on the defensive and defend some of this stuff. I'm not going to. I'm not going to defend the Snoop Dogg stuff and the Chaos Theory stuff. It's if you take the stuff out of the match, like the actual wrestling match quality. That's what I'm. I'm trying to focus on. Um, yeah, I love. It was. It was good there. Yeah. Sorry. It was good there. I'm. I'm mostly agreeing with it, except there were, I think, two botches in the match, which disrupted the uh, flow of it a little bit. But you know, it's just. But the pace a little and the work bit, rate like was a little bit. The pace and the work rate was so good that. Matt yeah. Seidel hit a standing corkscrew senton during the commercial break on fight. So, like, they're the moves they're not showing you, do you know what I mean? And one thing I really loved was Cody getting Matt Seidel in a position for the crossroads and then not hitting the crossroads. And then the announcer sold it as he was adapting on the fly because he felt a reversal coming. So we went into a DDT. Like, that sells realism to me in wrestling, do you know what I mean? That, like... I feel like I don't want to like diss too much on the competition because it's petty but like I feel like in WWE you get someone in your position for your move you're hitting your move do you know what I mean You're, and he got him in this position for the crossroads and then just turned it into a inverted DDT and I it's just a little thing but I like that the one thing I feel for Matt Sardell is everyone's now especially those that were there and watched it are just going to think of him in his debut in AEW and how he botched his yeah top rope yeah, um, but you have to um, say they made it really good that uh, Michael Nakazawa uh, oil yeah. with his baby oil. That was a real good point. Like admitting, like it, it wasn't good, but let's make a joke out of it. Everyone laughs. One hundred percent. Really cool. That's that's well, one they, move they of do, them where I'm like really happy about. They do that all the time on BTE, and like there was well, they made a storyline. Not this. This wasn't on BTE, um, but they made a storyline about as you said earlier, Chris Daniels missing his move. They made a storyline out of it, like he's lost his confidence, like botching a move, and uh, not. A botch but more negative fan reception if you remember the negative fan reception to the librarians they had uh, on BTE I remember them opening BTE where uh, they had a conversation where Matt and Nick Jackson were saying they were gonna have every show start with the librarians match and they were like looking directly into the camera saying the librarians like well, that's what we're gonna do in this match also there was a Cody hit two finishers before um, taking the pin and that was very very New Japan um, which again I felt like the entire the, the elite uh, the Bucks and Kenny 
and I mean he's not a member of the elite is he but um, Cody also they wrestled very New Japan style this week like I said with um, the Bucks in like a eight man tag and Cody with his work rate and hitting multiple finishes before he took the pin and obviously Kenny we'll talk about that later but um, yeah it was and I don't know whether that was intentional because of what happened at the end but yeah I don't know if you guys noticed it's that. True. Or not. It was it was maybe they also all they got inspired because they all watched Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know. Because maybe they got like, ah, this was so nice days. Let's just wrestle like <laughs> this once more again. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's true that the style was way more hard hitting. Uh, first match. Uh, also the pace was very high, especially when we come to the Kenny and uh, Phoenix match that was insanely high speed uh, speed and pace of the match, uh, which is the same in the end. <laughs> but yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit. There was a ter another terrible JR call. I feel like I'm just bullying him now because I'm writing down all his bad calls with quotation marks on my on my notes. But uh, when he went for his picture in picture, he said barbecue infested picture in picture. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, it was also. I was I was watching with you also earlier today, and we were looking at each other like, why, what, what yeah. does it have this barbecue to do with barbecue it? Barbecue, like... yeah. Well, no, no, no. I get the barbecue because he likes he, he compares it to food like restaurant quality, farm fresh. But like, I get the barbecue bit. Yeah, it's like, but there's I feel no like, he like product said, like, he's advertising. Barbecue covered, or but I don't know how he could have worked it in, but it certainly wasn't barbecue yeah. infested. Um, oh, I just want to cover after the match. Um, this was when it all fell apart for me because it was after the match where Snoop hit the splash as well. Um, we touched on it before but he uh yeah well first first things first is um chaos theory jumped in the ring because they had an altercation with i want to say cody during the match it was i don't want to be pedantic but is that a word i mean sure. chaos project chaos project the, yeah, sorry 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 just i watch dark and but, but, care uh, about these two that's it i just want to you know if there's any avid listeners you know they might pick it up i just want to correct you just to make sure we don't get, you know... You'll pay for that, don't worry. Um, the Chaos Project jumped in the ring, and um, Luther tripped. I don't know if anyone noticed that. Luther, Luther botched walking across the ring. Yes, and... <laughs> I didn't see it, even, I didn't see it, but oh my God. Yeah, we'll even, come to that in the other show, what I think about we Luther. Will, but, I'm pretty uh, sure we'll come to that in the other show. Luther... Oh my God. Luther, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll come to that in the other show, Luther, but yeah, okay, I, I'm going to get too off-tangent talking about Luther, so... Let's forget Luther and talk about Serpentico. Serpentico took the uh, splash from Snoop Dogg, the attempt at a splash, and to his credit, the consummate professional that he is, I love him, Excalibur tried to sell it as a knee drop combination. Um, like Snoop, the guy with zero experience in wrestling, was now fusing moves together. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, this guy was like, I think it was like a, a knee drop buddy splash combination. Um, like, I was like, God bless you, Excalibur. Like, trying to trying to sell it. Um, that buried Serpentico, didn't it? Like, what career is that guy going to have now? He's he's taken a non-splash from a non-wrestler from Snoop Dogg. Yeah. And he just, <laughs> that buried him, didn't it? Yeah. Also, I don't, and then teaming up together with uh, Luther also is not, yeah, well, yeah, not the I biggest know, prize for him these I, days. So. I don't know too much about Serpentico, but from what I've seen, he's definitely not the weak, the weak link in that in that tag team he is the definitely not you no, know no. Um, so I was I, hoping they're building him up with it but I haven't seen too much of them to be honest like on Dark yeah. because I'm also not watching Dark regularly but uh, yeah next match we had was Abaddon versus Hikaru Shida for the Women's World Championship it started off with a really good call from Chris Jericho I think when Abaddon was coming out 
uh, Chris Jericho kind of sold her gimmick as she believes it. Do you know what I mean? Like, because we're in a kind of post-Kayfabe era where, like, we're not actually going to believe Abaddon is a legitimate monster from the depths of hell. We don't have, like, you know, Undertaker you know he's actually a zombie do you know what I mean um, Kane he's actually risen from fire and been buried alive and come back to life we don't have any of that now but Chris Jericho still managed to kind of sell her gimmick by saying she believes it and that in a sense is scarier because she's so crazy do you know what I mean that she you know so I, I, I just wrote that down that I like that and- see I, I have a couple points with this match which I was actually a bit annoyed with this match. Oh, oh, I, um, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, um, I, in a sec- can we get to it? In oh, a sec- yeah, yeah, now? yeah. Can I just say um, I went into this not knowing who would who would win, so I was quite excited. It was one of those ones where I could have seen it going either way. Um, so, and I, I always I think they have the potential, maybe not in this case, but have the potential to be the best matches of the ones where you don't know what's going on. Um, I'll just say we'll go in order of things that happen in the match. That's why I cut you off there. Hikaru Shida at the beginning, um, Abaddon came and attacked her as Hikaru Shida was coming out. Shida hits her with, uh, did she hit her with the Singapore cane? Um, yeah. And then immediately turned her back on her, or no, well she turned her back on her at some point anyway, And but she's seen her do this sit-up thing multiple times. So why are, you, why are you turning your back on her and like talking to the ref or whatever? I think the next thing we'll probably talk about, and I'll let you say what I know you're going to say, is about um, Abaddon dragging Hikaru Shida under the ring and what transpired there. Is that where you were going to go? That was not where I was going. Mine was oh, going okay. to just no, be sorry, overall I'll let you comment. Do your thing. All right, go on. Yeah, mine was just an overall comment with the match. Um, yeah, same as you, Tom. It was a match where I was like, Eva could win, and I was excited about that prospect. I've actually personally been quite hyped about Abaddon. I think great wrestler. Love the gimmick, and Do you I think genu- she's a great wrestler. Yeah, I li- I like her. I like her. I think whole... She's an average wrestler, but with an amazing gimmick. Yeah, her gimmick is terrifying. But I saw, um, I genuinely saw her, and I genuinely going into this match for this is the type because I think every time I see Shida in a title match now, part of me, and I ho- I hope this is no sort of disrespect to Shida because I do like Shida, but I kind of hoping for a title change soon because it's, I'm it's, getting it's bored with that... Shida. Yeah, it's, it's, I know, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, Shida. So when I was saying how I think Abaddon's an average wrestler, I think Shida is a good wrestler. Yeah. I don't necessarily think she's an all-time great wrestler. I think she's a good wrestler. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether it's about the Joshi style not translating, but I think she's a good wrestler. Yeah. But um, to have such a long reign as just a good wrestler, and not just that, but she's in a... Oh, we got to say it. She's in a terrible division, right? Yeah. We all, yeah. We all, we're all on board with that. Like, the but AEW think... women's division is its weak link. And that's yeah. what I was hoping they would do something with Impact because Impact has a strong women's division yeah. to its credit. That's but... where you need someone like Britt Baker who translates very well across the whole company to then be yeah. your... Because that's the way you can build it up. But, but yeah, going but back to... A lot of people... It... But you know how wrestling fans are and a lot of people are mad about Britt being built as the face of the division. You yeah. Know what I mean? So but, they, don't but like, yeah. they don't like being told who to like. They're like mm. picking their heroes. Yeah, I liked Abdon. Thought, genuinely thought she could have won it. And I was annoyed because I think... I don't know if you boys would agree, but over the whole match, I thought Abdon was the stronger and was getting the most kind of... The, the biggest kind of build-up from it and getting the most sort of... She was looking the most likely to win, I think, based on the whole momentum how the fight was, was going. What do you mean, right? Her momentum was building. Yes, more yes, than that's the, the word I was looking yeah. for. Momentum, yeah. And then, and I don't think she'd have really had any strong point as such in the match. And all of a sudden, that last minute or last thirty seconds, it changed, and she'd have won. 
And I was like, that came out of nowhere. I was like, if she I've, was going to win, that, at least give I've got, her. I've got that written down, ended abruptly. <laughs> yeah, it was It was like Abaddon was doing so well. It was like, oh my God, it's building up momentum, momentum. And all of a sudden it was like flicked a switch and it was just like, okay, Sheeta, boom, boom, get the pin. It's like, and still you're, and I was just like, I was like, that's really disappointing. If you're going to keep Sheeta on it, she was getting like pummeled in that match. It's like, at least give her a couple of minutes to then build yeah. up her own momentum to then yeah. get the pin. Yeah, it's like, um, do you ever, well, I know you do, um, watch New Japan. And one thing I like about New Japan is that I always, when I'm selling it to people, I always compare it to like a Tekken match or Street Fighter or something where these guys are hitting each other and every hit counts and they've got a health bar that's going down that you can't see an invisible health mm. bar. And when the ping comes, you usually, like, the, the selling point of, so the thing with other promotions, especially one particular promotion based out of Stanford, Connecticut, um, there's a lot of, especially on big, and actually NXT do this a lot um, at takeovers, false finishes, like a lot of the drama is created with false finishes with, um, you know, uh, a pin that should finish and then they, they kick out and then they do a few of those back and forth of kicking out of each other's finishes at the end. New Japan don't do this. When they when they finally go for the winning pin in New Japan, you pretty much know that's the winning pin. The drama is created by all the reversals right before the last pin. Do you know what I mean? Like the back and forth, each of them trying to hit their move. And like I said, it's like they've got an invisible health bar so that when the finish comes, you know this is the finish. And um, if you could if you could translate that over to this Shida Abaddon match, Shida's, uh, sorry, Abaddon's health bar should have still been full. Do you know what I mean? Based on what Jack's saying, do you know what I mean? Or close to full. And then it just ended so abruptly. Um, yeah, I don't know what you, what, what did you think about this match, Patrick, overall? I wasn't very happy also with it, like, ah, it was, I like the gimmick also, Abaddon's gimmick is really, gimmick. really cool. Great yeah, gimmick. it's super cool. Also, it's, what it, Genuinely doing... unsettling, genuinely unsettling uh, yeah, gimmick. Yeah, it, yeah it, I, I look at that, I'm like, I find it hard to look at in a good way, do you know what I mean? Yeah, she's really scary, she's really, scary. You, you, you really get it, You're, she's selling it so good from start to beginning. Uh, that's the same from start to the end <laughs> and uh, yeah the point is also what I don't see you said it before the women's division is just rubbish to yeah. bring it on point because why are they putting her now into a title feud against her and then letting her lose again and there's no momentum momentum really building up of course they build it up within like I don't know was was it two or three weeks yeah they, they always do that and it's not just, that's not just the women's yeah. division that's a problem they have in AW where they build up they have matches where where we're clearly expected to see this as a big deal when they've only been building up to it a week or two. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's really bad because with their gimmick you can make so much more really. And uh, yeah, and also like we'll come to that uh, I think in the next point when we do the preview or so for the next week. But you see the NWA women's title match next mm. week, and then I'm more excited for this one since the NWA yeah. women's and title came in. And it's, we'll we'll yeah. cover that in the awards as well with the may or may not be um, NWA women creeping their way into our um you yeah. know our awards and that's I the think thing that's as quite well, reflective of the division with with um the whole britain thunder rosa feud that's gets you even more hype than Sheeda abaddon and that's not even a title feud that's just a genuine women's single so, i think serena d versus alison k was a fantastic match um that was on the pre-show also of, yeah was it recently yeah. was that full gear or i can't remember it was yeah i think um, yeah full they, gear they're was getting the you one, yeah they're yeah, getting and I was like, hyped. Then yeah, the NWA, uh, you know, the, yeah, 
Can I please go off on a bit of a rant about this match now and some things that I thought there's a direction I thought you were going, Jack? There you go. Permission. There you go. Yeah, it's just like go for it. I think I just added what I need to add and then yeah, no, you can yeah, do no, no, that's yeah. why I asked permission because I'm gonna I'm gonna just go in on this. Yeah, finish what you wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, it's fine. Like, you can go on it because I was also right. not happy, mostly because, like I said before, the direction they're heading in, they're not building it up properly. They're not doing, like you said, they, like this health bar thing. She can just do a few moves and then she finishes her. It's just, it's not, it's just bad storytelling. That's yeah. the thing. And that's They can do better. They can do way better. But bad ring psychology, there you go. yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're also not giving it the benefit of the doubt and the respect it deserves because every time it's a women's match, every time it's we're going to picture in picture and they do the cross promo for heels. Bathroom break match, they used to call it in uh, WWE before the women's revolution. If you want to be taken seriously. To be be honest, I'm doing that also nowadays again. Like when there's a women's match on Dynamite, I usually use it as a bathroom break because there's not a lot happening. And it's not because they're women. It's and 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 this was this the reason people used to go to the bathroom breaks for, use it as a bathroom break in WWE when it was the divas division, quote unquote, was because they were people with no training. They were brought in as from they were supermodels or they were aspiring actresses, and they were brought in and they were thrown, you know, into matches, and it just wasn't entertaining. And and you know they were just doing limited move sets because they you know obviously didn't want to hurt anybody and. Um, yeah, and then you had people come in that could legit wrestle. You had obviously the four horsewomen: Becky Lynch, Bailey, Charlotte Flair, and um, Sasha Banks, and and before that, Paige and AJ Lee. And that kind of everything changed with that. You know, to their credit, WWE have kind of changed women's wrestling around the world. Um, but yeah, I um, yeah, I'm I'm just. I'm going to talk about this match now um, and my problems with this match. The Okay, so the first thing, there was... A, I really think there was some sort of weird problem going on with the broadcast because they cut to picture-in-picture, picture, they cut to the break, and see, I'm on fight, so I obviously don't know when it actually is cutting to a break when they do this, but they... JR said they were going to picture-in-picture picture, and then about 30 seconds to a minute passed and then he said it again. And then when they came back, they came back and introduced themselves as they were coming back and then again, 30 seconds to a minute later they introduced themselves back again. Um, so I don't know what was happening there, whether they were um, doing that for two separate markets or something, but if you go back and watch it, you'll notice, and it's very weird. And so I don't know whether this actually happened on air in America or not, but because um, it happened during the first and second time they said they were going to picture in picture. If this happened off camera or what during the break, then it's very weird. But guys know the spot I'm talking about where Abaddon dragged Hikaru Shida under the ring and then bit her in the neck and uh, Hikaru Shida comes out bleeding profusely. Now we all know this is fake blood, right? My problem is that they're selling this as real. They're not selling this... So Chris Jericho sold quite well, like I said, sold that Abaddon's not really a demon, she's not a living, she's not living dead, but she thinks she is, she's crazy, do you know what I mean? And like, okay, I can get on board with this, do you know what I mean? But we are then, but Hikaru Shida's coming out clutching her neck. We're supposed to be believing that she hasn't, well, Hikaru Shida believes she has a neck wound, so then we're supposed to be believing it, do you know what I mean? And it's like, she's bleeding profusely from the neck, stop the match, like, do you know what I mean? Like, this woman is dying, this was Nick Gage in Tournament of Death stuff, do you know what I mean? Um, like, when he got chopped out um, because he'd been stabbed in the side with a light tube and needed surgery, like, get her to a hospital! <laughs> like, um, and as well, he did eventually, because I think someone probably saw it and got on the radio to him, but for like five minutes, Bryce Remsberg didn't put on his gloves. I was like, 
at least like sell it do you know what i mean like a woman is bleeding from the neck if this isn't your time to put your gloves on when is like just everything about it and then it cleaned up and you could see there was no wound there and it was like why did you do this spot like i don't understand it was terrible for me and another thing was abaddon i was okay when she was doing the sit-up the Undertaker set up thing, the Undertaker taunt. I was like, okay, it's kind of an homage because she's the living dead girl. He was the, the you know, the zombie guy. Do you know what I mean? Okay, like tribute to him doing the, doing the Undertaker kip up. He's retired now. But she did the Bray Wyatt spider walk during this match as well. And it's like, she's just taking all the taunts from all the other kind of monster characters without introducing any of her own. Uh, and then with what you said about it ending abruptly, it was just a, it was just, I gave it 2.25 out of five. It was, it was a bad match. Okay, next we had a promo from Tay Conti, uh, backed by Dark Order members. Uh, they're having a match next week, I believe, um, against Serena yep. Deeb. She's got an NWA title match, um, which we'll talk about a bit more. But yeah, there's not really much to say about it. It was a very brief promo and we'll talk about that more at the end. Main event time, Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega for the championship. Who wants the right to talk about this one first? <laughs> who, 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 who gets to go? Patrick, there you go. He's yeah. Go for it, Patrick. Kenny is my favorite wrestler, just to make it sure. <laughs> yeah. I will just say how good he is, how great. Now, it obviously was a super great match. Like The, the pace of the match was great. This is what I liked a little more than uh, comparing it also to the um, to the uh, Cody versus Matt Seidel match. They used a little bit more the outside of the of the ring and going behind the barriers and stuff like that using their moves outside using the the barriers themselves instead of the ropes and so this was really well put together from beginning to the end and uh, yeah I just loved but I also love that uh, Phoenix was able to showcase finally uh, why he's that good why he's there where he is and then that we can yeah, really expect more from him in the future like Kenny Omega was obvious but it was also nice to see that he can finally show again like his, his cleaner style also how he came in with a leather jacket and how he behaved also after the match and everything it's, the way he it's, comes in it's I the mean, other just I just Justin Roberts yeah. is the MVP of the entrance, isn't he? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So also good. like this, how he, how he's announcing him, but also like how he comes in, like his his uh, his way of walking and going and like telling the girls to back off to make it like to make it, to hold uh, how they call the brooms like across and yeah. now open it when he's going through. Like this, he's he's really really good into that because he puts so much work into every detail when he's coming out and what he's doing in the ring, what he's telling story wise there. So. So this yeah. was an NJPW Kenny again and also an NJPW Phoenix in it. <laughs> I hate to compare it to NJPW, but this was through the whole show that there's like a lot of NJP NJPW start matches. So yeah, that was really, um, really, really good. Chris Jericho mentioned as he was coming in that this was the first time he would announce from... Um he was from Winnipeg, um, and then Chris Jericho was just marking for Winnipeg for most of the rest of the match about how it's the capital of wrestling, and um, I mean, it's not Calgary is, but... Um, yeah, what about you, Jack? What did you make of this match? I love Kenny. We, I think we all do in mm -hmm. this podcast group and our friendship group. I think everyone loves Kenny. He's what properly got me into wrestling so any Kenny match is a win for me but I also love Ray Phoenix and I love Ray Phoenix as a singles wrestler and this was just a good match for me I thought it was one of those matches where you knew Kenny wasn't losing the title but yeah throughout the match you could believe that he they could to make it great yeah it. yeah yeah it was one of those um and I just love Kenny's gimmick in a moment and Don Callis on the side 
And I just think it's it's cool. And long live Cleaner Kenny, because I just think it's going really well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what sort of challenges he faces in 2021. I'm going to incite a little bit of ire from you two here and say something incredibly controversial. I don't think it was so much a new NJPW style of match. I thought it was a bit of a PWG style match. Um, and I think, I thought, to be honest, once once Phoenix started getting fatigued and they started getting fatigued, I liked how it calmed down to the ringside ecology. But I think that it started a bit of a spot fest. Le- less, of a, less of a match and more of a series of spots. Um, and I didn't think it gelled into a story to begin with. And that's possibly partially because there literally was no story it was just here's this title match just happening you know there was no build up to it but like I said it's for me it started a little bit of an exhibition spot fest um, but I got into it um, about halfway through and then it was a great wrestling match um, but yeah um, that is why I only gave it tied with um, Cody and Matt Seidel for my favourite match of the night excluding the Snoop Dogg and Chaos project Thank you, Jack. Stuff. I don't know what you think about that, whether you thought it was a bit spotty to begin with or... No, I, th- I think it was more like a triple R thing in the beginning, Phoenix style a little bit. So th- there was definitely a, a clash of the different styles they have. Um, but I can also see your rating point at this time also, like because you expected this from this match and yeah. uh, from the Cody versus Matt Sardell, not so much. So that, that was definitely... Uh, uh, the more unexpected good match here. You expected a real good match. But still for me, because uh, like I said before, there were two botches in the match and the match flow was a little more fluent with the Kenny and Phoenix. But that, to be honest, that's just criticism on, on a really high level. Uh, both were great. So it's just great to see this on a weekly show and not on a pay-per-view or somewhere else you have to pay for, you know? Yeah, despite me saying spot fest in a derogatory way, I did actually, and this is the only match I did it for and the only person I did it for, I wrote down a list of notable Ray Phoenix spots because you know what they say about Ray Phoenix, you see something new every time you see him wrestle. Do you know what I mean? And I had to write down three or four, three, I think. He did a uh, a double springboard drop kick where it was like he was going for a best moonsault ever or something, um, where he bounced off the middle ropes onto the top and then spun around and hit a drop kick. And like, that was mental. Um, and then he did something that was like a sort of like, I think he like backflipped off the top rope and then caught Kenny into a German suplex, which was ballistic. Um, and then, and we're going by Excalibur's call, an outside in cutter where um, he threw himself from outside of the ring into it and then spun around into a into a into a cutter. And he's he, was it also when he jumped over? The, do you mean the one where he jumped over the barricade and did like a like a rolling thunder from RVD and then made no, it no, into it was, a cutter? That was good too. That was good too, yeah. but no. It uh, he didn't finish the cutter then. No, he didn't finish it. He attempted it. Yeah, yeah, he attempted it. But um, no, I'm talking about on the ramp when he he like did like a. Honestly, no, he didn't. He didn't like he he like springboarded from the outside. This is the thing. <laughs> like, there's no there's no easy way of describing some of the things that Ray Phoenix does. Um, he springboarded from the outside into the outside on the ramp onto the middle ropes over the top rope, turned around into a cutter or something like. It was it was it was impressive as it always is. But you you just you do you see everyone every, something new every time you see him. Speaking of moves, he didn't complete. He went for the Eddie tribute as well, the frog splash, which I think was nice. Kind of inject a bit of emotion into the match yeah that's true i generally like that the uh latino stars of them are referring to eddie so much because yeah. he was a huge influence to them definitely the finish though a little bit botched ray phoenix flailed his arm which looked remarkably like a kick out and you can't be doing that with the one-winged angel 
Like you just can't. Like other, Alex other moves, maybe the pin in the end. Yeah, the because pin, he, he lifted his arm when when he it was. His, arm, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. It, I was also thinking, like, did he kick out? <laughs> like, Why are you doing that? Like, like, don't yeah. risk it. Don't sell it like that with the one winged angel. Like this, this is the most protective move in more protective than the rainmaker ever was. It's the most protective move in wrestling. You just, you can't be taking those risks. And like now, you're going to get people saying, "Oh, well, technically it has been kicked out of." And it's like we do, we just have to collectively as fans just completely ignore something that happened. Like, um, and it, it sucks. Um, not the match, obviously. The match was, was great but like it, yeah. it sucks that we have to do that um, and Chris Jericho to his credit tried to sell it he was like he was like oh I think that was just a last gasp attempt and it wasn't really a thing and then you know they didn't show it on any replays or anything but no I, I, I just after all that after all they're done and I don't know it was um, poor on Phoenix's part but yeah uh, on to more positive things should we talk about what happened after the match <laughs> to yeah. where Jack's, Jack, is, uh, were Jack on. is pointing the two sweet sign on our video feed yeah um, and that was not so unexpected for me to be honest because I was following the Bucks the days before and they were like uh, tweeting and on Instagram the, the old photos of them like the elite photos the Bullet Club photos they were posting uh, that they were backing off Kenny and when the Good Brothers came out I was like ah okay there will be something going on so <laughs> well before <laughs> we get to a complete the, surprise yeah before we get to the Good Brothers um, Eddie Kingston and his family uh, were holding Penta and um, Pack hostage backstage they couldn't come out and help Phoenix which I really liked I liked that they are again this whole thing with impact i'd really like to see it become like a, a marvel cinematic universe kind of thing with all these like you know avengers assemble you get all these players crossing over their own kind of individual things maybe one with mox and stuff um because mox came out at the end of that didn't he and so like you've got all these players because they had the thing with the barbar attack john moxley but yeah um i like i like that eddie kingston as far as we're aware his motive seems to be like a gunfire kind of thing which is something i think they should have doubled down on with butch from the blade before they even joined eddie kingston family because I don't know if you guys remember the promo where MJF um, hired them to take out I believe the Bucks um, I might be wrong on that um, but they, and they had like a uh, uh, like a promo piece like a cinematic piece where he walked into like a butcher shop or like a meat locker or something like that um, and they were like legit doing butcher work and like handed an envelope to Ali with like a load of money in and the Young Bucks names on it and uh, just they nodded and left and I love that and I think they should have doubled down on them being these guns for hire like the new APA kind of thing and so that's what they're doing now with Eddie Kingston Um I'm all for it. Like, uh, I was really into that. But it's, mo it's more likely to be, like, you know, a furthering of their feud. But I just I just like that the, there might be this, you know, crossover of the storylines. Did anyone else's uh, fight feed cut off right before the, the Ultimate Two Sweet? Yeah, right. Yeah, yes. yeah. I was yeah. also thinking if, did, if they did that on purpose because of the uh, season desist or anything, we're wondering no. also about it why they're allowed to show it especially the bucks no i think i, I think i think they ran out of time and i think the network just cut them off um i had to look it up on youtube to finish watching it because i was like they've completely teased me here i need to see because one of them had like i don't know if it was matt or nick one of them had um thrown up the too sweet but the other hadn't yet and i was like i need to see i it think it was together. nick and it was matt was the last one and just Matt's as he was going it cut off yeah yeah um oh I, I love that and i love how they i love how uh Gallows and Anderson kept their titles on for the most part as well. Like, yeah, this is who we are. And there was a picture from backstage of all five of them, all five of them with their gold. Obviously, AEW champs, um, Impact champs, and, uh, you know, AEW world champs. So, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. that was really really cool like the pic picture the picture spoiled it a little bit for me in the show to be honest it was all over social media but uh, in the end yeah like I said I was I was expecting something like this to happen at least the Bucks joining Kenny and when the Good Brothers came out then you know okay cool yeah, but that's really cool like also how they're crossing over and like you said like these this uh, butcher and blade thing crossing over a little bit i also would have liked to see them also a little more like like uh, mercenaries or so helping other teams or getting paid by other teams to join in but in the end yeah we will come to that in the award show what i think about uh, especially the butcher so um i also i did see um on it was like an aw social exclusive next week a uh, free man tag involving kenny and gallo Anderson. And I don't uh, know who they're fighting. I don't have that written down because, as you say, it's a social. Yeah, um, didn't so know that, that. Didn't know that. That's that's really cool. That, yeah, that's it was. Um, it was. Who was it? Who's the? What's his name? Why can't I think of it right now? Oh, Alex Marvez was chasing Kenny, obviously. You the guy they tried oh, okay. to make an yeah. announcer for like yeah. <laughs> three months, and then was like, "No, this guy's terrible." <laughs> anyway, he was chasing, and yeah, and Kenny then said, "Yeah, him, Gallows, and Allison, three man tag next week." I think they're trying to make a meme out of that, Alex Marvez. Ch no, cause it wasn't. Was it Alex Marvez who chased them through the parking lot trying to get? Um, I think it was. Yeah. The, when when Kenny did the big betrayal and he yeah, was yeah. chasing him like Kenny, and then he he had that kind of the probably the best kind of bit he's ever done, Alex Marvez, when he said, "But AEW's on Wednesdays or Dynamite's on Wednesdays." He's like Impact Wrestling, Access TV, like and Don Callis a bit back. So um, yeah, it seems like. Alex Marvez chasing people through a parking lot is uh, like a meme now. Yeah, but a good, uh, a good end to a good show. Um, do I even have to ask what your match of the nights were? Not really. No, <laughs> Kenny, Ray Phoenix. Two for Kenny and Phoenix. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm tempted to make it three. I re I, I, okay, just for the uh, just for the inclusion of Snoop Dogg, Luther and Serpentico, I will agree with you that the last match was the match of the night. But... You know, I'm not happy about it. I like the other match. <laughs> yeah, okay, but that's fine. That's completely fine because the other match was also good. Like I said before, it's criticism on a very high level and uh, that was a real, real good show again. Like after a few weeks where it was just a little up and down and you don't know where it's going to or heading towards to, but this one was like really, really good, well put together. The only down thing really on the card was the women's match, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. Right, preview of next week. Okay, so we've got the one Jack just told us, um, the Good Brothers and Kenny against, as of yet, unnamed opponents. Uh, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. Uh, that's the TNT title match. Chucky T versus Miro uh, in their weird BDSM become my young boy match. <laughs> Serena D versus Tay Conti for the NWA title, uh, women's title. Draco Express versus FTR. Inner Circle's New Year's Resolution and Britt Baker's Waiting Room, I believe it's called. I, I didn't used to watch a Jack, I know you're a big fan, but it's on Dark, isn't it? So, uh, with Cody Rhodes as a special guest. What do you make of that card? Listen to it there. That, that sounds pretty stacked. Um, I was just thinking, so I, so I was suspecting you asking us which would be our most looked forward to. And you'd say Kenny and obviously Good Brothers, but you don't know who they're facing yet, but that's obviously going to be a good one. Brian Sorry, Cage, Darby. Exactly. Yeah. Cage, Darby. I'm buzzing for Jurassic Express, FTR. Um, Serena Deeb. Yeah, uh, Serena Deeb and Tay Conti. That'd be a good one. Um, even in the circle near resolution, because them guys with a promo. And yeah, that's going to be, that's that looks pretty stacked card, really. 
I think Jurassic Express versus FTR is the sleeper here because I think Marco Stunt's wrestling and I think Marco Stunt can I think he gets too much flack I think he can make anyone look good because of the way he can be thrown around and especially tag moves he can make tag teams look really good and not that FTR need anyone to make them look good but they are tag specialists they're specialists at giving out tag moves Marco Stunt is a specialist at taking tag moves I think we're going to see a really good match there yeah and Pack versus uh, Eddie Kingston is also a great match Oh, I, I, see. I didn't see. Yeah, that. yes, yeah, I forgot about that. that. That's a pay per view match. That is. That is yeah, a actually, match. yeah, yeah. Th that's... This will be quite hard hitting, and yeah, even you, you could make it like on a pay per view, no, no disqualification match or so. This, yeah, this would have been really good then. This point, but still, they, yeah, it's it's a, it's supposed to be a great show. Just these few downers with the match, but also the NWA women's title match. It's like as soon as it, as it was announced as an NWA women's title match, I was like, okay. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Now I'd like to go on to our segment called Less Important Shows. I think there's only what really, I mean, the big place to start would be um, Wrestle Kingdom. Did both of you watch Wrestle Kingdom? Or? Tom, I, I mean, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to maintain an air of professionalism like I don't know whether you've watched it or not. I know that I know for a fact who has and who hasn't watched Wrestle Kingdom out of the two of you. But do you want to try it again, Jack? Yeah, let's hate? try that again. <laughs> okay. Have both of you watched Wrestle Kingdom? No, I didn't watch it this year. I didn't fancy it. No, you shut up. You... <laughs> Pat Patrick, did you watch Wrestle Kingdom? No, I haven't watched it yet. But I, <laughs> I catched up with the with the results from it, and yeah, I, I also got spoiled a little bit. But I wasn't like you know into it. Like also, when it comes to NJPW, it's not mostly spoilers for me because it's so much sports in it that. I also like the matches, although I know the outcome of it uh, because, yeah, it's just. But just as great in, sports. you are you are you are a fan of the sports presentation. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not. the thing. Are, it's yeah, it's fine for too. me if I get the results spoilered. It's 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 fine. Uh, I can I can watch still with that and enjoy it a lot. Lot not like AW or WWE matches. Well, um, so. they actually mentioned Kurt Ibushi's uh, title win um, on uh, on AEW. Um, oh really? Assume, yeah, I assume it's Excalibur. They said, which I thought was interesting because. Um, I saw a lot of people flipping out thinking that Jay White will make an appearance on AEW based on something Kenny said at the end. I think they might be reading too much into it, but he's like said something like, I just flipped the switch or something, didn't he? Or something similar Ooh, okay, to that. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. So a lot of people thinking it's cryptic, thinking it's something to do with Jay White. This yeah, would be very no. interesting, coming him coming over to AEW. So the promo of him, this is the only thing I saw in, in full length now after, uh, after his match against Ibushi on the second night, but that... That was some proper shit. Yeah. <laughs> really, um, that was some proper fucking good acting. Like, real acting. Jack, what was your favorite match of the two nights at WrestleCade? What was my favorite well, favorite? Match? Give, it, give us a top three. Oh, crikey. Um, what was my favorite? So, any match with Osprey. Uh, so obviously Osprey Okada is that a good match. I loved I love yeah. the entrances in that match. I love the yeah. Uh, we we both said yeah. yeah big fight feel. That had a massive big, had big, a big fight, fight feel. It had the biggest fight. Well, no, maybe not. That and uh, Evil versus Sonata had the biggest yeah. fight feels for me over the whole weekend, just because of the history there and the storytelling with both of them. Yeah, I'd probably go for them too, and then I'd probably put Abushi winning the titles off Naito. Um, more I so, Jay White was better. I was going to say thought. more uh, in terms of actual fight. Yeah. Jay White won, but because Abushi winning titles was so awesome for me. Because there, um, there was a lot of storytelling in the Jay White one when yeah. Jay, White tried, Jay White trying to surrender, which was just yeah. such a. Ugh, I loved it. It was such a heel move. I love. I hated. I. I, I said to you though, I, I loved my heels. Like I love yeah. him because he's so. You you love to hate him, and it's the same with Jay White. I love Jay White because 
he's such a such a good heel and everyone you especially the way he like taunts the crowd because obviously they can't cheer or uh, do anything yeah. so he's obviously like go ibushi ibushi yeah. like to them and all they could do is clap i won't uh, i won't stay too long on this because obviously patrick didn't watch it so he won't be able to join in the discussion but shingo tagagi versus uh jeff cobb as yeah. brutal I loved yeah. it. That was that was a physical match. That was a violent match. Again, um, big, big as it always was going to be with Jeff Cobb. I'm a big Tagagi fan as well. He's um, he's quality. He's the future. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just coming back to what you said there about them not chanting. How mental was that? That you had twenty thousand plus people in the Tokyo Dome. They've been told not to chant because it spreads COVID, and every single one of them listened. You could hear a pin drop. Yeah. You could hear the rest of us talk to each other. Can you imagine that happening in the West? Can you imagine that happening at a football game? No, never. <laughs> No. It's it's unfathomable. It's just yeah. um, don't want to get too political, but obviously it really does kind of uh, you know uh, surmise this this Japanese yeah. and Asian kind of approach to it. It's, um, it's amazing. They, they are way more disciplined, also like in China and in Korea. Well, litter, littering as well is a thing, isn't it? Littering is really bad in in Japan, yeah. and nobody does yeah, well, it. All, and... all over, all over Asia. Oh, like sure, I yeah. don't know if it was Malaysia or Indonesia when you're you're not even allowed to. Uh, to have a chewing gum or so, then yeah. you could actually go to prison for it so, because they're so yeah. protective about this way. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you get people say, "Oh, it's oppressive," but I mean, look, they're back to twenty thousand people under one roof, so they're doing something right. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think that that about brings us to the end of our show. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you guys. At one, at one of many, I hope. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah absolute pleasure thank you very much for joining us and we will chat to you next time <laughs>